listening to the audio-only version of American RVer. To see the video podcast, go to AmericanRVer.com and click on the video link for the show on the homepage. Welcome to the March 2009 edition of American RVer. This month we meet Bob and Marlene Ray, full-time RVers that decided it was time to settle down in Arizona in the winter with a stationary home. Next, Peg cooks up a quick and tasty key lime pie. Finally, we take you to the center of the world and speak with founder Jacques-André Estal. We also reveal the winner of our iPod contest. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to this month's edition of American RVer. We're so glad you could join us. Now, as you know, Jim and I have been full-time RVing for just over a year, and we have enjoyed every minute of it. But there comes a time in your life when you want to decide or you think about, is RVing full-time still the right thing for me, or is it time to go into a stick house? And with me today is Marlene and Bob Ray, and they have been full-timing in their RV for how long, Bob? Two years. Two years. And now you have decided that a stick-built house is something that you want to do. Tell me what led to that decision. Well, Marlene led to the decision. Oh. <laughs> and, and the reason uh, basically was that she wanted to what we classify as nest. She was felt that she needed somewhere to have as roots and she wanted to uh, live someplace on a, on a regular basis, you know. And so instead of moving... Instead of having weeks, those wheels behind you or underneath yeah. you all of the time. Marlene, how did you pick, uh, we're in Casa Grande, Arizona, which is a beautiful place. It's in the desert. The temperature and the, is very nice and the skies are clear. Oh, wait, were those the reasons that you picked to come to Casa Grande? <laughs> uh, there were others along with those. One of the reasons is Casa Grande is between I-8 and I-10 and we have many RV friends who winter here. And so we thought if we wintered here, we'd also get to see our RV friends. Ah. So that was one of the reasons. Okay. Another reason was that the, the financial market was a little unstable and I wanted to make a different kind of investment. So I thought investing in a stick home would be a good investment and eventually I might get a return on my money with that. Mm -hmm. And as Bob said, I, I wanted to nest a little bit. There were times when we were on the road last year where uh, we were at campgrounds where there aren't any people because it was the wrong season. And they were long, long visits when there's nobody around. So you like the camaraderie of being in a community and you have neighbors that are here all the time too. Yes. But yet, are you still RVing, Bob? Yes, uh, we will be uh, whatever they term as the opposite of snowboarding, we're going to be basically taking our uh, summers and going up north where we will experience the cool well, weather. Well, that's our philosophy too, <laughs> you know, north in the summer, south in the winter, and you just happen to have a more permanent place in the south. Correct, yes. Yeah. And how about your uh, pet? I know you have a pet. Does she like being in a house or in the RV? Oh, she loves being in a house. Uh, <laughs> she was very nervous anytime she's in a motorhome. She does not uh, like the starting or the running of engines. And so, as long as 
there was no engine running. She's just happy as a clown. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, how long do you think you'll be in a stick belt before you get the bug and you want to be in the RV full-time again? I would expect uh, never. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think this is, uh, you know, I'm going to say the house that we would die in because, uh, you know, we're getting a little bit older and as such, you know, at some point you're going to have to stop RVing and live somewhere. And right, and do you think part of the reason you bought a house as well was, was medical issues where you have regular doctors instead of having to figure out what doctors to go to? That's a really big issue for any RVer is to find uh, some place that they can return to for their annual physicals because the way medic the medicine is set up now is you have to have a family doctor of some kind to get as we get older to get mm -hmm. your prescriptions and if you don't do that you don't get your prescriptions so uh, being centrally located if we need to come back we don't have to worry about getting back to the northwest where we're from. We can just get here to Casa Grande. Right, and you could do that any time of the year. It might be a little hot in the summer, but at least you're not snowbound or have those kinds of issues like you would in the north. Right. Okay, well, thanks for being with me today. I do appreciate it and shedding a little bit of light on why you decided for us to buy a stick house. So as you're thinking about RVing and whether you're full-timing or part-timing, maybe it's time you think about having a stick house again for some of the reasons we talked about today, or maybe you're going to continue on for 10, 12, 15 years in your RV. Whatever you choose, just enjoy the RV lifestyle. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in a minute. Coming up, Peg shows you how to whip up a tasty key lime pie. Charlotte, North Carolina is a special place. You have the Panthers, the beautiful Skyline, and of course, Lowe's Motor Speedway and NASCAR. But for RVers, Charlotte is home to the best satellite sales and service company in the Southeast. Cordell Satellite Sales and Service specializes in installation and repair of TV and internet satellite dish systems. Cordell has been installing Motosat internet uplink systems for your favorite NASCAR drivers. The best news is that you too can get Motosat satellite internet. If you're tired of fighting with your air card or trying to find a Wi-Fi hotspot, give Cordell a call at 704-264-9486 or email them at mohotogo at cs.com. Their certified technicians do make house calls. Trust Cordell Sales and Service to install or repair your dish. We did. Remember, since 1995, it's Cordell Satellite Sales and Service. As they always say, once a customer, a friend for life. Call 704-264-9486 for your satellite TV and internet needs. Boy, do I have a treat for you today. It's called Key Lime Pie. Now, if you're from the Southeast or the South, you're probably familiar with this delicious treat, but if you're not, you've got something to look forward to. These are key limes. They're real tiny little limes, not like the bigger ones that you'll find in the grocery stores. Of course, you find these in the grocery stores as well. But this is the kind of lime that you want to use. And a lot of times you can find key lime juice, just like a lemon juice in that section of the store. I couldn't find it, so you should have seen me cutting these little key limes in half and getting all the lime juice out of them just for this treat for you. But it's well worth it. It's got such a great flavor. And this recipe came from my friend Dottie, who lives in uh, North Carolina but has family in Minnesota. So it was a real treat to try that when we with, were with her last time. It's a real simple pie. There's only four ingredients. First ingredient is a graham cracker crust. And her favorite is Keebler. It doesn't matter what kind you want to get, whatever you want. She will take an egg white and coat the graham cracker crust with the egg white 
and bake that at about 425 degrees for five minutes just to set that crust so when you put the key lime mixture in it, it doesn't sink into the graham cracker. Well, it turns out I have egg beaters instead of eggs today, so I don't have any egg white to put on top of that. So we're going to go ahead and make it without the egg white on the crust. Basically, my, one of my favorite things is um, cream cheese. So you just take a package of cream cheese and beat that up with your mixture because, mixer because you do want that nice and light and fluffy. So let me go ahead and do that first. Okay, when that's all done, uh, what you've got is a nice, light, and fluffy cream cheese. And of course, you want that cream cheese to be at room temperature, otherwise it's not going to go that quickly. Now you're going to add just a half a cup of the key lime juice, which whether you squeezed it or not or got it from the jar, that's okay. We're just going to mix that in slightly. And then we're going to add, and we're going to use the beater to mix them all together, one can of sweetened condensed milk. Now how easy is that? So we'll go ahead and mix all of that together and basically we're going to end up putting that in the pie crust and then refrigerating it. So let me go ahead and get this mixed together and I'll show you what it looks like. Okay, here we go. Okay, that's all nice and mixed together. So let me move these beaters out of the way. And this recipe, when you make it, actually fills about one and a half of the pie crusts. So what Dottie's recommendation is, is that you buy three pie crusts, double the recipe, and then you've got dessert for three different events coming up, whether it be a potluck, or if you have somebody over for dinner, or if you're going somewhere, you just pop it in the freezer. It freezes so well that uh, you can just have it ready for the next time you go out. Then the final touch, once you've put that uh, either in the refrigerator or freezer, you want that to harden. When you take it back out, get some heavy whipping cream, put in a little couple of packets of Splenda, beat that up, put that over the whole top of your key lime pie, and it is such a nice uh, blend with the sharpness of the key lime and the sweetness of the whipped cream that you will just love it. Okay, we'll be back. Next, meet Jacques Andre Istal as we take you to the center of the world. It's time to reveal the winner of the iPod contest we had for January and February. First, we want to thank the many hundreds of viewers who entered the contest. We appreciate your support. The winner of the iPod third generation is Ken Stout of Ontario, Canada. Ken says he would be sure to download American RVR podcasts onto his new iPod. Thanks for entering, Ken, and congratulations. Who knew that one day I would be at the center of the world? Well, I am today, and with me is the Center of the World founder, and also the Museum of the History in Granite founder, uh, Jacques-André Estelle. Thank you for being on the show with me today. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about, first, how this started. Well, the center of the world is a totally illogical idea, and it is based on a children's book. No one argues with a fairy tale. And <laughs> it appealed to the politicians. They passed a law, and the law, to our amazement, was eventually recognized by the French government. But uh, the center of the world, of course, can be in your hip pocket. Right. This is the official center of the world recognized by law based on a fairy tale. That's awesome. And this is a children's book that you wrote? Yes. Aha, uh -huh. so it goes back even further. <laughs> That's great. Well, tell me how you came to Felicity 
and how you named Felicity, because I understand you are actually the mayor of this little town. Well, the town of Felicity is named for my wife, and she is Chinese, so I believe it's the first town named for a Chinese lady. And when the government agreed for us to have an official post office here in 1987, this only after we agreed to run it for one dollar a year, which we have been doing now for 23 years or so. Well, that's pretty good. We never cash the checks. We have one dollar checks. I was going to say, a lot up. of towns could learn something from you. And, <laughs> but I wrote the president of China, and he sent his consul 600 miles from uh, San Francisco. And the only thing was that I insisted that the consul give his speech in Chinese, and he would have died of laughter at seeing 500 people listening carefully to a speech in Chinese. <laughs> well, what made you go beyond that now and develop this museum? Originally, like many people, I wanted to remember my parents, and we designed a monument, you can see them, uh, that I thought would be quite impressive, a hundred feet long in granite, designed by structural engineers to last 4,000 years, wow. no guarantees. And then we realized that in the open desert, that monument, which might look very good downtown in major cities even, looked like absolutely nothing when you can see for 20 miles. So we thought, well, we'd better make a few more. So the, I can't speak English, but I'm an old U U.S. Marine, and I wanted to remember my friends who died in the Korean War. And so we did a Marine Corps memorial where we engraved the names of 4,600 Marines, and with the help of uh, Headquarters Marine Corps. And then, uh, we did an aviation monument, and by that time we realized that we could engrave drawings in granite, because we had thought it was much too expensive for us. But we found that artists are willing to give some of their time for a project that will last 4,000 years, yeah. No guarantees. <laughs> so, then, that monument won the Air and Space Medal in Europe, which made us very happy. Then we did a French Foreign Legion uh, monument. The reason is I went to a religious school, and the French Foreign Legion exemplifies the concept of redemption through danger and suffering. Huh. You can join the Foreign Legion under a false name, and if you survive, which is not guaranteed, and have a good record, you come out as a French citizen with a new name. How the about principle that? of redemption through danger. Right. So that was worth a monument. Then we became ambitious and we thought, well, why not tackle a big project? And so we did eight monuments in the shape of a compass rose and started the history of humanity. That is a big project. How do you decide what's going to go in there? Good question. You can take a look at how we approach the project as you walk along the monument. And it's 
enough to keep us busy. Then, since we had some open space left, we thought it would be nice from the beginning here to do a history of California and Arizona since we're on the edge of uh, two states. And then next to it, uh, in line with it, a monument of the history of the United States leading into the history of the United States. So now, if you take a picture from where the, the church is, because we built a hill and put a church on top, and if you take a picture from above, or if you don't want to go that far, you take a picture from my office, you can see the whole layout. And our friends, RVers, can see all of this at www.historyingranite.org. H-I-S-T-O-R-Y-I-N-G-R-A-N-I-T-E dot O-R-G. Thank you. And I've gone to that site and it's really well done because you can look at each of the monuments and you can see some of the ceremonies that have taken place upon the dedication of those monuments and it also has something about the church and it's but really amazing. that's in amazing. the video. We haven't it's got in the that. video. We don't have the video yet on the site. On the website? No, but we, Oh, okay. But, but I did see pictures of lots of those things yeah. and it was really interesting to me to see that. But, but how are you going to continue in the future? Obviously we're mere mo mortals and we're not going to last forever so I know you have big plans for I the am, future. I'm guided really or I'm influenced by a statement by a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr, a Protestant uh, theologian, who said anything worthwhile cannot be completed in one lifetime. That's it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> and, forgive me, but I decided to engrave the last panel of the history of humanity. After you go around all those monuments, you come to the last panel. And you'll see there's a quote at the top, because we like to put quotes. And the quote says, it's from a Confederate officer after the Battle of Gettysburg. That's it, except for the details. <laughs> and below it, unless we destroy ourselves or succumb to a cosmic accident, our destiny